0: Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. Uh, but marks of a believer part two. Thanks so much to Soby who uh, opened up this series last week talking about prayer. Uh, did a great job, and I'm just super thankful for him. But t- this whole series is about when you look at a believer What should you see? When you look at a believer, what should you see? You know, some of you, you think, oh, a Christian. What do they look like? They got a Bible in their hand. They got a certain look. Maybe, maybe some, some of you grew up in a in a church where, hey, you didn't come to church unless you looked a certain way. Um, and and it's so funny that people will will come looking a certain way, but once they get in church, they're they're like the frozen chosen, right? They just they don't move. They just you know stare straight ahead. And and especially on a day like today, you know, they're you know, they're the frozen chosen. It's it's freezing, but. You know, does a Christian stay awake in church? You know, there's all kinds of of descriptors, but when people think about you, what do you want them to think? What do you want them to think? And so in this series, we're gonna we're gonna talk about three marks, three things that we should be known by. And these are things that we sure hope that people see when they see us, right? As believers. These are marks of a believer. And so the three marks, uh, we talked about the first one last week, prayer. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And then next week, one of my favorite topics ever, we're going to talk about perseverance. So think about this as three rocks or three foundational principles of a believer's life. And I really believe that they're crucial. Are there more? Absolutely. But these are the three we're going to talk about during this series. And so today, forgiveness. And forgiveness should absolutely leave a mark it should leave a mark on you. I'll never forget. Um, I think it was my senior year of college because I was in an apartment for the first time. I, I had lived in a dorm before that. and uh, how any, Anybody ever lived in a dorm before? And so I was just thankful to get out of the dorm and into the apartment with my best buddy and just having a great time. And so I'll never forget, uh, you know, one of the first times I, I cooked a frozen pizza. We just didn't have those that much in my house growing up. And so I was like, man, I get to buy whatever I want and cook it on my own. And, and so I'm taking this frozen pizza out of the oven and like a total newbie, um, I I touched it to my arm on the way out just long enough to just burn the ever living tar out of my arm. And guess what? You can still see that mark today, right? It's on my arm forever. And it happened in an instant, in an instant. And that's kind of what forgiveness can do for you. It, It can happen in a moment, but it can mark you forever. Another mark on my body is this scar I got in my leg right here, because I went across the street to a friend's house and, and their dog came out and viciously attacked me. And so I've got this huge scar on my leg from this dog. You know that that experience marked me in a different way. You know for, for for many years after that every time I'd get close to a dog I'd flinch and I'd be scared and 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 finally by the grace of God got over that one. But life it can leave a mark. Some of them really good, some of them not so good. But we see multiple different kinds of marks in the Bible. Some were literal, some were not. For instance, one of the first ones we see was the first two brothers to ever live, Cain and Abel. And if you don't know the story, you know, Abel brought his best to God. Cain did not bring his best to God. God was not pleased with Cain. And so Cain got really mad at Abel, and he killed his own brother. Can you imagine the first two brothers to ever live? They end up, you know, in this kind of brawl, and you wonder why your kids can't get along. You know, it's like it started way back then. And so God, in his judgment and in his dealing with Cain, he, the Bible says that he marked Cain. And we don't know what that looked like. We don't know if it was external or other, some other kind of sign in his life. We don't know. But God marked him. God marked Jacob. Jacob's story is cool because he wrestled with God. And, and at one point in the wrestling match, God just touches his hip. You know, it's kind of like when you're wrestling with God, you're like, God, it, it, you know, that's, that's kind of unfair. You just get to touch me. And and, and Jacob walks with a limp for the rest of his life. In the Old Testament, when it came to God's instructions, Israelites were told to tie God's instructions as symbols on their hands and bind them on their foreheads and, and write them on the door frames of their houses and on their gates. So they're All these marks, and and some of them took it literally, and and even some Orthodox Jews to this day, you'll see them with little boxes tied around their wrists and their neck with Scripture inside. Marks. You know, there was a different diet for the Israelites. They were told to, to eat a certain way and to live a certain way and to do certain things and not do other things. And then there was there was one that is is really interesting and, and, and it turns the conversation just awkward really quick, but there was the whole mark of circumcision. And some of you are like, Joe, where in the world are you going with this this? But in, in Genesis 17, 13 it said, All must be circumcised, your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. But then in Galatians 2, 11 through 12, something really interesting happened because this was the mark that, that distinguished the Israelite men from all the other men on the planet. And so in Galatians chapter 2, two it says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him face to face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of Jesus came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. This is strange. Peter's, Peter, like the apostle Peter, the one that denied Christ and then was restored and, and then went on to preach the amazing sermon, Acts chapter two, and, and this guy's just the man, and all of a sudden he was sent to the Gentiles to preach, and but then he begins to act one way when certain people are around and another way when other people are around. and. This question of what should mark a believer had obviously been around for a long time. And at this point, amongst different believers, it was in question. And still today, people attach styles and certain types of clothes and and all kinds of different things as to what it means to be a true follower of Christ. And I don't know about you, but thank God for Paul. Thank God for Paul. That he comes into this situation and he just boils it down to the irreducibles. Because maybe when you're a new believer and you're reading through the Bible and you're like, what is all this stuff? And what do I do with it all? And Paul just boils it down. Galatians 2, 16, Paul said, we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. He just boils it down and, and he gets mad at Peter because Peter's kinda shown this hypocrisy and, and, and so this, this kinda caused a rift between the two. Well, this argument, this confrontation between Peter and Paul was eventually settled by the church council in Acts chapter 15 and they boiled it down to what was really important and Paul, Peter even stood up before everybody and defended Paul's position, effectively saying, I was wrong. Which, that's pretty cool that, you know, we can be wrong, and we can admit it, and we can course correct. And in Acts fifteen eleven, Peter said, we believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Right? It wasn't an outward mark. It was something that happened to the heart. Paul continues in Galatians chapter five later on in this this letter where he shares about this conflict and he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. All great marks of a believer that when God is working in you, you'll show And then at the end of the, the book of Galatians, uh, the, uh, this letter that he was writing, in, in chapter six, verse 7, 17, he says, from now on, don't let anybody trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that I that show that I belong to Jesus. Wow. So here we see another mark. In the, in the NASB translation, it says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. So we see all these different marks. And here again, we see Paul saying, hey, come on now. I know what I'm talking about. Look at my own body. I bear the marks of Christ. J. Vernon McGee, a great preacher, had some good comments about these. And and the marks that it's talking about here, when Paul um, uh, penned this verse, he used the Greek word stigmata. Anybody recognize the root of that word stigma? And so this this word stigmata meant scar marks. And today, you know, we would use the word stigma. But we wouldn't use the word stigma for the word scars, now would we? You know, the definition of our word stigma that we use today is, is a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. A mark of disgrace which I just think is so interesting that that Paul would would use this word and, and it would mean this because the Bible tells us that Jesus bore our disgrace. He bore our disgrace. Paul identified with Jesus by bearing the same disgrace that he bore through actual physical persecution So Paul had these physical scars on his body from being whipped and tortured and put in prison and and all kinds of crazy things, right? Jesus and the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five listed a whole lot of marks. and, and, And he said, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. And so Paul knew what he was talking about. He had been persecuted for doing what was right. Another cool thing about Paul using this word stigmata and the, as for Marx is, is that in Paul's day, stigmata was used in three ways. It was used when a runaway slave was found and brought back to his master, and he was branded on the forehead. Can you imagine? That would hurt. You know, I'll take my pizza burn any day. Keep your burns off my forehead. Also, soldiers who belonged to famous companies had the names of their commanders tattooed on their forehead. Can I just give you a bit of advice today? If you're going to get a tattoo, let's avoid this region, right? Let's go somewhere else. If you have a facial tattoo today, no offense, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. Please forgive me. That's what this sermon is all about. Also, people back then who were devoted to a certain pagan goddess... And there was a lot of this in, in Asia Minor and throughout the Roman Empire. They had her name, this goddess's name, branded on their foreheads. And then Paul comes in, you know, and this is the cultural context into which he's speaking, and he and he says, I have on my body the stigmata of the Lord Jesus Christ. The disgrace that Jesus bore. I'm, I'm bearing it myself. So, in other words, and he says, I've written to you out of deep emotion and with great conviction. And if you want to know what I really, really, really believe, and what I and what, and, and if I really truly believe what I've written, and if these things are really real in my own life, just look at my body, look at my scars. Are you getting the picture? So the cross and Jesus' suffering gave purpose to Paul's suffering. What would give him reason to do that? Thank God that Jesus came. Because the mark upon your life and mine is not a physical mark. Paul had some physical marks. And you don't have to have those marks like he had them to have the mark of Christ on your life. And so I believe now that there's many marks that identify us with Christ. But during this series, we're just going to talk about three. Paul's physical physical marks were byproducts of the spiritual mark of forgiveness that had been placed in Paul's life. Can I just tell you what? Being forgiven changes everything. Has anybody been forgiven here today? Come on. You guys are a little quiet today. Has anybody been forgiven? Come on now. Some of you, you, man, you're like, that sounds so good. That sounds so good because you're still carrying the guilt. You're still carrying the shame. Even though outwardly you're acting like and and everybody thinks everything's okay in your life, inwardly you know that it's not. And you know that you need forgiveness. And so, how should we be marked by forgiveness? Let's dig into our notes, fill in the blanks as we go. Number one, first thing, we got to realize I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. The the conviction of the Holy Spirit is the first mark of forgiveness that happens in our life. Because before you can be forgiven, you have to realize that you need it. You might say, Joe, I don't feel anything. You know, you're you're just going through life. You're doing whatever you wanted. You're doing whatever you want to do. and, And you don't feel any remorse. And then one day, bam. Has anybody experienced that? It's like growing up, you did this, that. Maybe you're stolen, stealing the candy bar at the store. You're talking back to your parents. And then one day you heard about Jesus and it was like, boom. You realized that you needed a savior. You needed a savior. And so if you, if you say, Joe, I don't feel anything. I don't, I don't realize anything. I don't think I need forgiveness. I think that I'm just fine, especially compared to that dude. You know, don't, don't look to the left or the right right now. But 1 John 1, 8 through 10, it says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Wow. Think about that. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So this whole sin thing, forgiveness thing, it's a big deal. I don't know about you, but believer or not, I'm not sure it's a great idea to call God a liar. Not a good idea. And so we got to realize, man, I need forgiveness. Galatians, back to Galatians, chapter 2, verse 21. Paul says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could have made us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. He's basically saying you could have all these marks, you could look apart, you could come to church just looking all good, and you can even stay awake and, and maybe even lift your hand during worship. But none of that. It's gonna make you right with God. And if that could make you right, then Jesus didn't have to go to the cross for you. I've got this, this breakout idea, I'm sure it's super scholarly, but for some reason I just think that Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross if he didn't really need to. And yet we let that truth go in one ear and out the other and don't let it hit our heart. Is that you? Maybe you've been coming to church your whole life and you never really just settled in that thought that Jesus literally had to die for you. If I could fix everything in my life just by being good or doing the right thing most of the time, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. But that's not the case. Everything hinges on Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Your whole life hinges on your realization that you need Jesus. You need forgiveness. Every religion in the world tries to deal with this, this sin problem a different way. Some say there is no sin problem. Some say that just do more good than you do bad and you'll be fine. Jesus says, I'll die for your sin so that you don't have to carry it. How cool is that? He is the only one that responded to your true need. The only one. So you need forgiveness, and there's only one place to get it. The second thing that, that, that we know about forgiveness and how it should mark our life is that we experience forgiveness. We don't just know about, uh, about forgiveness. We experience it. Maybe if you've been around church a bit, you know the story of the prodigal son. Basically... He kind of told his dad off, he took all the money, he ran, he spent it all, he got himself into a world of hurt, and then he came home with his tail between his legs. But when he comes home, he sees his dad waiting for him, and his dad runs to him, takes him in his arms, and forgives him on the spot. Not only does his dad forgive him, but on the spot, throws a huge party right? This is the picture of experiencing forgiveness that that God's word, that Jesus himself gives us. In Luke 15, 23, it says, we must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. (laughs) I love it. So the party began. I just want to ask you today, have you experienced forgiveness? Like really experienced it, not just known about it, not just be like, okay, I prayed the prayer and I'm, I'm good. No, have you experienced forgiveness? There's no other way that I can describe it. I cannot describe it better than scripture does. And, and so we're just going to say that, man, when you experience forgiveness, it's like a party in your heart. Come on, somebody. It's like something's different is happening in your heart. In your heart, And, and so this party's happening, and, and it's not just a party in your heart. It's a party all around you. The Bible says when you give your life to Christ, uh, you know, there's this multitude of angels just partying in heaven, and it's awesome. And you may just be watching in disbelief. You may, you may be bawling your eyes out, overwhelmed by the grace of God and his forgiveness in your life. I don't know what it looked like for you, but you can't be forgiven without experiencing it. Because when God really forgives you, it's a party. No matter how you slice it or dice it, it's a party. You're set free. The weight is lifted off of your life. You're completely changed. Something and you can't even describe it, especially when you're a new believer, you're like, I don't know what it is, but I'm different on the inside. You experience a change. There's a huge difference between knowing about forgiveness and experiencing it. Some of you say, Joe, I know all the stories and I come to church, but I have not experienced what you're describing. And I don't don't know why all the time. I'll just be honest with you. But I will say that sometimes it's because you haven't let yourself experience it yet. Jesus is trying to take the weight off your life. He's trying to say that you're a new creation and you're just holding on to that old life with a death grip. Because maybe you're not really believing that he can do it. Some of you haven't let yourself experience it yet. Jesus pronounced you forgiven, but you stayed in your room and you won't come out to the party. Is this ringing true for anybody today? That you you hear the words you're forgiven, but God's over here throwing a party for you and you're just like, oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm worthy to go to the party. But Jesus is saying, come on, let's have a party. It's time for you to let go of the guilt and let go of the shame and let the reality of the cross and what Jesus did for you lift that weight off of your heart and off of your life. Amen? The third way that forgiveness marks our life is that we give forgiveness. So we, we need it, we experience it, and then we give it. Here's the, here's the catch about giving forgiveness. Many times we are only able to extend forgiveness to the depth that we've allowed ourselves to experience it. See, these things are interconnected. It's really hard to extend forgiveness to somebody else when you haven't allowed yourself to experience it. When you're still beating yourself up inside for all the things you've done, guess what? It's really easy to hold that same kind of attitude towards others. But when you let Jesus forgive you and you really accept that forgiveness in your life, man, it becomes so much more easy to extend it freely to other people, amen? I know this is hard to measure. It's like, how do I know really how much I've experienced? But that's why we got to remember that experiencing forgiveness isn't only a feeling. It's going through the process of letting go of the guilt, the shame, the hurt, the bitterness, the baggage that comes from sin. And I don't know about you, but in my life, it's ongoing. It's like I peel back a different layer and I, I, every day I surrender my whole life to Jesus and it's almost like you know that prayer that 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 David prayed search my heart oh God and show me if there's anything offensive in my heart and when I pray that prayer most of the time God does and so it's like I just keep experiencing a new depth of forgiveness every day in my life and we can experience a new level all the time why because his mercies are new every single morning every day Why would his mercies be new every day if I didn't need them? Right? And so it doesn't mean that I'm more forgiven today than I was yesterday, but it means that I'm understanding how deep God's love is for me because it's deeper and wider and higher and longer than I can ever even imagine. Amen? And so when you experience forgiveness, you can't help but give it. That's why over and over and over in the New Testament... Christ links your ability to forgive and Paul does too your ability to forgive others with your own forgiveness. Ephesians 4:32 we'll just read a few of them. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Mark 11:25 But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. They're linked. Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Those are some pretty heavy and clear if-then statements, right? So what do we take from that? that I can't enjoy forgiveness without sharing forgiveness. Can't do it. It's not a part of the equation. I really believe with all my heart that this is why we so see so many Christians these days looking like they're sucking on lemons. We see so many Christians that it's like they've got a shop vac stuck to the side of their neck and it's sucking all the life out of them. Why? Because they're not being people who forgive. Too many aren't experiencing the joy that comes with forgiving others. Number four. Number four. I've got to remember I've been forgiven. I've got to remember. And you say, Well, Joe, how could I ever forget? It's possible. It's possible. So we realize we need forgiveness, we experience forgiveness for ourselves, we give forgiveness. They're all interconnected, and then we've gotta do the hard work every day of remembering that we've been forgiven. You say, well, how do we know it's possible to forget? Second Peter 1, 9, it says, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Wow. So it's possible to forget. This should really, really worry us as Christians. Jesus says don't worry, but if there's one thing we need to worry about is never forgetting. I don't wanna forget. I don't wanna take the chance. I don't wanna forget Jesus' love and forgiveness for me. You know, the, the context of this verse in 2 Peter chapter 1 is, is growth. Man, if you grow in these ways, and the very last one was in brotherly kindness and love, and so if you grow in loving other people, then you won't become ineffective in your love towards Christ. And then it says, but if you fail to develop in this way, if you don't keep loving other people, if you stop giving forgiveness, if if you stop growing as a believer, then you're short-sighted, you're blind, and you're going to forget that you've been cleansed from your old sins. I don't know about you, but when I'm growing, I'm constantly confronted with the ways that I still need to grow, right? And so that's the perfect way to not forget. Don't get an attitude that you've arrived. Don't get an idea that you've you've got it all together. No, keep growing and keep remembering that you've got to be a forgiving person. Colossians 3.13, it says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, there's that word, Remember. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Listen, if Peter, who we talked about earlier, you know how he was acting like a hypocrite in front of some people and, and when the Jews weren't around, he was just around Gentiles, he acted a different way. If Peter could forget the links that he had been forgiven, if he could forget the time when he denied Christ and Jesus still restored him, and then he turns around and he outwardly discriminates as, as far as who he would or who, who he would not spend time with based on an outward mark. And if Peter could do that, we can too. We're capable. And so as you hear this and you think, oh, Joe, this is just so basic. It's just so, you know, whatever. Oh, I already know this. If you're thinking you already know it and you already got this down pat, get ready because if peter can fall into a trap of chasing after other marks the mark of being popular the mark of what people thought of him the mark of all these different marks in life and if he could get off track and off focus then we can too the moment that you forget where you came from is the moment you begin to slip into spiritual pride. Right? We came from the muck. We came from the mire. That's what the psalmist said, right? I'd like to think, and, and this, this next comment, uh, you know, I'm not sure that it's completely scriptural, but it's just what, it's just what I think. I'd like to think that maybe one of the reasons that we forget so easily how much Christ forgave us is because he removes it so completely. Think about it. It's more likely that we're just stubborn (laughs) and we don't learn very well. But remember, you know what really should leave a mark in our life? Sin. Sin should leave a mark. But because of God's forgiveness, it doesn't. Psalm 103, 10 through 13 says, he does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. He removes it. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. What does this tell me? That Jesus takes my sin and he throws it away. I'm forgiven, not just partially, I'm forgiven completely. And because I'm forgiven, I need to act like it. I need to remember that I've been forgiven. I need to experience the forgiveness of Christ every day. I need to offer forgiveness to others and I need to constantly remember, I'm only here because of the undeserved grace of a loving God who sent his one and only son to die on the cross in my place and to give me life and life to the full. Come on somebody, right? This is amazing news. There needs to be this continual party going on in my heart and in my life because I've been forgiven. You might say, Joe, I'm just not that kind of guy. I'm not, I'm not very emotional. I don't, I don't feel things. You know what? That's okay. Because every day you can center your mind in the word of God. You can be proactive in your gratitude and your thanks to a God who gave you forgiveness when you didn't deserve it. And you can say above all else, I will not forget that I'm forgiven. And I'm going to let that be the focus or be the, the lens through which I look at everybody else and everything in my life. Sin should leave a mark but because of God's grace and mercy in your life it doesn't have to be and your life can bear the marks of Jesus the stripes on his back the nail holes in his hands and his feet how his side was pierced for you and because of those marks on his body you can be forgiven, amen. Somebody needs to hear this today. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you and you say, Joe, it's time for my life to be marked by forgiveness of the savior. It's time for my life to bear this mark. And you may say, you know, my, I've, I've, I've not had to walk the road that Paul walked and borne marks of, per, of persecution on my body like he did but I want my life to be marked by the forgiveness of a savior who loved me so much. You realize today your need for Christ. You realize it and you say, Joe, I wanna experience the forgiveness of a savior in a way that I've never had before. And and for some of you, that means accepting him as your your Lord and and your savior for the very first time in your life. And so if that's you and you say, I wanna invite Jesus into my life today. If that's you, just raise your hand. I wanna pray with you. You say, God, here's my life. Raise your hand and say, Joe, that's me. Amen. I see those hands. Right there at your seat, And even if you're watching online today and, and you say, I want to accept Christ, I just want to encourage you to pray a prayer. And I want you to say it in your own words, from your heart. I want you to mean it. But it needs to just go something like this. Just say, Jesus, I need forgiveness. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And so I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again on the third day. I put my trust in you. Jesus, the Bible says that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, I'll be saved. Your word says that you're faithful and just to forgive me. And so I just ask for your forgiveness today. Help me, Lord, to follow you the rest of the days of my life. Help me to put you first. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a big hand for those that gave their hearts and lives to Christ today. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me. For the rest of us, maybe you're already following Christ and you say, Joe, I just really need to remember this. I need to remember God's forgiveness in my own life. And maybe you've just seen just a a kind of slide in your life where you've gotten a little bit more jaded, gotten a little bit more hard-hearted and it's time to come back to a place where you're giving it and you're remembering it. If that's you, um just pray with me as we close today. God, soften our hearts. We're available, we're here for you. And we need you to lead us and guide us today. The, the mark of our life, when people see us, God, we want them to see somebody who's, who's walking without the weights of guilt and shame because we've been forgiven. And because we've been forgiven, we're, we're, we're living differently. We're offering forgiveness to others. We're not, we're not living under the same uh, you know, set of rules and the same life that we used to live. No, we're following you. We're growing in our relationship with you. We're seeking you every day. And so help us in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, to bear these marks in our life. Help us to have the same confidence as as Paul. That, man, we bear the marks of forgiveness in our life. We're forgiven people. And we're living that way. So help us in Jesus' name to not attach our worth as Christ followers or, or uh, not a not attach our our relationship with you to anything that it shouldn't be attached to, but that the marks of us as believers would be that we're seeking you in prayer. God, that we're people that both experience and offer forgiveness. Help us in Jesus' name. We love you so much. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.